Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the SQ Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Sales. I'm back, uh, ready to do some uh, consistent episodes going forward here with uh, a lot of football coming up. Uh, should be a big year uh, in college football and uh, the NFL, and I'm excited to cover it with you guys. So I'm going to release a, a schedule somewhat regularly, and I'll give it to you guys now. And I'm also uh, going to be like releasing updates and stuff on my social media and everything. So uh, if you're curious, like when I'm going to be dropping episodes and everything, uh, you can follow me on Instagram and uh, Twitter, just Steve Sales, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, so what I'm planning on doing for now is Sunday nights, uh, I will release a podcast talking about Notre Dame games the day after the fact. So you can, you know, uh, listen to those on your way to work or school on Monday morning, something like that. And then Thursdays, most Thursdays, I'll be doing preview pods for Notre Dame games. Uh, I'm not going to do them every week because I'm not going to talk about say like Tennessee state or central Michigan teams. I know nothing about, and nobody else really knows anything about either. Um, but I'll be doing ones for some of the big games like Ohio State and USC, and those will be more things I'll, I'll, I'll post about those beforehand just so people remember that those are coming out. Uh, and as always, I'm going to be doing NFL. You know, that's that's my bread and butter. Um, I'm still working on a more consistent schedule for that, but I will be doing my usual um, preview pod with my over-under win totals, all that. That will be on next Thursday, the 31st. And that will be the same thing you guys have always listened to. It'll be one week before the first game of the season. And then uh, around that time is when I'll uh, figure out and announce my uh, regular NFL schedule. But uh, I'm excited. You know, I feel like I have more of a plan than I usually do. So hopefully we can get some more uh, consistent um, stuff out there for you guys to listen to and enjoy. So thanks for listening. Um, I also, uh, so this is the Notre Dame preview pod that I did uh, a couple days ago. But due to some technical issues, I lost about half the audio. So I still have the stuff that I did that I saved, and that's going to be uploaded here, uh, talking about the offense. And then I'm going to do a little recording after the fact, and I will do something on the defense. It's just kind of my expectations for the season. And then that'll be the whole episode. So here we go. Here we are, everybody. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. People said it wouldn't happen. I said it would never happen. But you know what? I think this is the year for comeback stories, redemption. Tommy Gallagher. How are you? I'm great. It's a, it's a huge honor to be here. I also didn't think this day would happen ever, so I'm just happy to be here. I'm, I'm hopeful that there's a lot of people that are listening to this for the first time with some shock in their ears. I can just picture it right now. Yeah. I can see it. You know what? We'll make it worth our while, though. I agree. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about Notre Dame football, and it's going to be a pretty wide-ranging podcast talking about the uh, the entire season, largely. But I think we need to start with just uh, you know like a big-picture kind of thought. What does the season mean for Marcus Freeman? You know, because I think a lot of people would say this is a big opportunity for him this year. And I, I'm not generally one to make rash statements on coaches and players after like one year or especially like their second season ever. But what, what are your thoughts here, Tom? I think this is a make or break year for Freeman. I think it's we'll know what we have in Freeman after this year. I think it used to be he needed three seasons. I think we're kind of shifting to two. It's if this year goes well and we beat some of the big teams on the schedule, it's okay, Freeman's a dude. Mm-hmm. But if we lose a couple games we shouldn't, a la Stanford Marshall, then we start wondering, is Freeman ever going to get to where we need to be and mm-hmm. how much longer can we give him a chance? Yep. I think there's something to be said for it, too, uh, just the way the this year and next year kind of line up. I mean, we've got a lot of older, experienced players this year that aren't going to be with the team next year. And this year certainly feels like more of an opportunity to, you know, take what you can get and buy yourself some more time if you're Marcus Freeman. So, um where do we want to start after that? I want to save the schedule talk for later. Uh, we can do the offense, the defense. you have a preference? Let's go offense. 
Let's go offense. All right. Yeah, assertive. All right. <laughs> I also, uh, I will mention to the crowd, I already talked to Tommy about this. I uh, conducted a little survey uh, for the, the preview pod that we're doing right now. I uh, had some people fill out some questions just about how they feel about the team in general. I'll be referring to that um, throughout the podcast just with a couple numbers. Not that they really mean anything. Uh, just wanted to try and get like the pulse of like Notre Dame fans. I feel like I got a decent amount, a couple dozen. I think that's that's a worthwhile endeavor. So what does Sam Hartman bring to the team? I think first and foremost, that's what we got to talk about. Like what, what specifically changes with the arrival of Sam Hartman? The ability to throw the football. I mean, it's that simple. It's you've got a downfield threat at quarterback who will make plays and other teams are actually going to fear. And that's something that was severely lacking last year. And teams aren't going to be able to bring their safeties up close to the line of scrimmage. And if they do, great. Hartman's going to be good enough to go over the top. So I think that's the biggest thing is playmaking ability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited because... It seems like this is honestly kind of a match made in heaven in terms of we were looking for a quarterback who can really test the ball downfield because we haven't had a guy who can do that consistently since Deshaun Kaiser, and that was seven years ago now, which is just crazy. But we're old, dude. Um, and I think that um, Notre Dame has a lot to offer in terms of helping him with some of his weaknesses, maybe. And even then, some of them I wouldn't say are weaknesses. It was more just wait for us. We put him in a difficult spot sometimes. I have some numbers for you. Um, Sam Hartman had the – he had – Double-digit turnovers, as he has had the last couple of years. But he has the same turnover percentage as J.J. McCarthy, who threw six interceptions last year. And I think a lot of um, some of the negatives, maybe, of Sam Hartman can be attributed to he never really had a good offensive line, and they were consistently throwing deep. Around 20% of his uh, passing attempts were deep last year, which is that's, that's a very, very high number for your most inaccurate uh, type of throw. So I think that Notre Dame might be able to get him some better looks, certainly with a stronger offensive line. We can both agree on that. And I think also just being able to be a little more selective with your deep shots and you can just work a little bit different of a passing game and it'll just make him look more efficient overall as well. Yeah, it's a lot of his turnovers at Wake Forest where he's throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game and just kind of arm pumping it on third or fourth down just saying hope someone catches it because that's their chance to win. But he's not going to be throwing the ball close to that many times here, which – should lead to fewer turnovers, obviously, and better chances in terms of teams have to respect their run here. Where at Wake Forest, they really didn't have a legal run game in front front line. Yep. Yeah, it, it's um, I, and I think above all else, it just it significantly, obviously, it raises the ceiling of the offense, obviously, yeah. but it also it really raises the floor like a, a really high level, which uh, we'll talk about more. But I think the offense may need a couple games to kind of grow into what it ultimately could be. And I think that Hartman's a perfect kind of quarterback to, A, give a bunch of players chances to grow while also keeping the offense afloat while we wait for that. Yeah, I think the big thing is, all this is true, I think we just do need to make sure Hartman doesn't have a game where the turnovers pile up. Because mm -hmm. I know we had the Louisville game last year where I think it was five or six turnovers in the third quarter alone. And we don't have a margin for error against our schedule to have a quarter or half go wrong where Hartman just catch the turnover bug. Yep, absolutely right. So with that, uh, I feel like we should talk about the rest of the offense and kind of how Hartman fits into all that. So uh, what do you want to do, the offensive line first? We'll do that. I should say that's probably something we're the least qualified to talk about. So we'll get that out of the way. Um, I mean, you know, bookended by two stalwart offensive tackles. I don't really think we have a lot to mention there, right? Yeah. Joe Alt, Blake Fisher. First round picks. Not much to complain about. Yeah. Um, the guard situation is a little interesting because uh, I think going into the offseason, I was kind of under the impression that uh, Billy Shrouth was going to be the left guard and that Andrew Christoffic was going to be the right guard. And here we are. Um, how many days out of camp? What's nine. the date today? Nine. Oh, my God. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Nine days till eight, kickoff. Eight days. Wow. Kickoff, crazy. Yeah. Um, eight days till kickoff. And it looks like as of right now that Rocco Spindler is the right guard and that 
Pat Coogan is the left guard, which is surprising a little bit, but I think it's a good sign that Rocco Spindler could get that job. Uh, it certainly sounds like he's earned it. And I mean, he's had the pedigree. We all know how talented he is. So it's a matter of just getting him on the field and hopefully he can make some plays. Coogan, um, you know, it's a little interesting because it sounds like his name wasn't mentioned as much, but I feel like we've always heard positive things about him, you know, throughout his years. He's just gotten passed up because he's a younger offensive lineman. And I think it's this might be more of a situation if he's a little consistent, more consistent than Billy Strauss right now, which is probably good to just kind of manage the highs and lows, especially, you know, with Sam Hartman, you want to be able to keep the pocket clean and give him time to flip downfield. Yeah, I think my thoughts on the guard play in particular, it's who can really surprise me to see him be a strong camp guard. Because I had always thought of him as our backup center, mm-hmm. someone who would be next in line there. Which, I mean, he very well may be the 2024 starting center. Right, right. Um, but I think him and Strauss will probably end up splitting that guard spot at some early in the year. And then, I mean, right guard, I'm really happy it's Rocco just because he was such a highly top recruit and glad he's finally figured it out. But honestly, my biggest thing on the guard, it's just Christophic. It, he was a starter on our 2020 line for a good chunk of the season. Now here he is. There's talk that he's moved down the third team, and mm-hmm. it's just crazy to see that he's never figured it out and isn't really in the picture anymore. Yeah. Yep. Um, but so overall, and, you know, Zeke Corral, I think we also know what we're getting. Uh, you know, maybe you worry about him against some of the bigger defensive lines, like Ohio State. He struggled a little bit last year, so that's something to watch for this year. But, you know, he's a solid, reliable center with room for more. And there's um, been good reviews on him. Yeah. In camp yep. That. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, I don't really think there's much to be worried about. I'm certainly less concerned now that Rocco has seemingly won the job himself. Um, and, you know, maybe the left guard is, is a week for a little while, but I think it's okay if you have one spot on the offensive line that is struggling, because you can scheme around that, whether it's you're not running to that side consistently, or you add an extra blocker in for pass pro kind of around that area. There's ways to work around that. Right. And I'm not sure I would even qualify it as weak, so to say. It's just yeah. unproven. We don't know what we're getting. There's going to be some growing pains, but Right. There's no reason Shroud or Coogan can't be a very capable left guard yes. by the time late September mm-hmm. comes around. And not for nothing to do, but we just talked about the experience and the pedigree that both Zeke Carell and Joe all have. Right. And there are worse places to be than sandwiched between those two guys right. if you need help. Yeah. So that'll be good. Um, next up, let's do the tight ends next. Uh, they're kind of an interesting group this year because um, we don't have like a dominant number one in the vacuum of the greatest football player of all time, Michael Mayer. Uh, may his Notre Dame career rest in peace. Um, but we've got a lot of high upside guys, like reliable guys. Like I, like I think we we can expect a productive room. I think it's just a matter of who's going to be productive and when. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. It's a lot of question marks in the sense of different skill sets. I personally am a big Holden Stays enjoyer. I think he's mm-hmm. got a little Tommy Trumbull in him, a little scary oh, yeah. when he's downhill blocking, but also capable of catching passes when you need it. Um, I don't know, the bowl game we saw Mitchell Evans was a good option. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing is there's no Michael Mayer. Well, and, and, another, and who's going to be healthy, too, is another right. thing. Because these guys have struggled with that consistently. Uh, since uh, since I did this um, uh, preview uh, form that I had sent out, Kevin Bauman has torn his ACL, yeah. so he's out for the year. So we're down to four tight ends. We have Mitchell Evans, Holden Stays, Eli Raridon, and Cooper Flanagan. Cooper Flanagan is a true freshman. Uh, Eli Raridon is uh, allegedly looked very good in camp. But he's still coming back from that ACL. It sounds like they're going to wait at least for Navy and maybe a couple more games to make sure that ACL is right. Because so, uh, apparently he's looked very good in practice. It's just a matter of getting him up to speed. And a second ACL tear you want to be really careful with, which I get. Uh, you mentioned the four tight ends in the room. I don't want to forget about David Sherwood. Um, you're right. No, you're right. Solid blocking right there. Yes. Extra needs some jumbo. Put him in there. He's a very capable blocker. Yep. And Flanagan, I, I will mention, it sounds like Flanagan has done some very good things. But, again, he's a true freshman. So I'm not going to – 
count on him being in the rotation unless he like breaks out or someone else gets hurt again. But I do think if we talk about the three tight ends, like the main ones, Evans stays and Raritan, uh, Raritan and Evans are both well, very well-renowned blockers and all three of them have decent receiving ability. I mean, Evans is certainly less dynamic than the other two, but I think he's, he's capable when you put the ball in his hands. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know if we'll quite see a ton of two tight end sets early in the season because we will only have two tight ends in theory that are going to be playing consistently to start. But maybe once Eli Raritan comes back to, to form, we'll, we'll be able to see more of that. I think it's that. And also Jaden Thomas um, yes. was used as an inline blocker Absolutely. In last year. And I think that's something that we'll look to do again, especially with a little weaker tight end room than we're used to having. Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, Notre Dame's got this streak of, what is it, 20 years now of, like, the day one tight end is still in the NFL. And I think I think all three – these guys can prove the rule. Evans may be more of, like, a day three guy just because he's still more of a blocking tight end. But it'll be interesting to see. So I would think someone gets drafted eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm actually curious. So I, this is the first question I'll give you from this uh, form that I had. Which tight end will finish the season with the most receiving yards? What do you think? I think I'm going to go Mitchell Evans. I think that's – Probably the safest bet. Um, I think he's just going to be used in the pass game the most and mm-hmm. has proven he can stay healthy more than others, mm-hmm. which I think is going to help. I think I said Evans initially, but I'm kind of coming around to Stace. Something about him, he just, he's, he's gotten good uh, good remarks, and I think, it, like I said, he's a little more explosive than Evans, and that may matter a little bit more. Yeah. But I think it'll be, a, it'll be a solid room, if maybe not unspectacular, yeah. which is fine. Right. All right, running backs? Yeah, I mean, running backs – we even need to talk about Audric the bus estimate. Um, Careful. Careful. <laughs> yeah, there's not much. We know what we're getting with him. He's bulked up even more, it seems, and it's quicker than ever, so that would be fun. Yep. Outside of him, I don't know, a lot of unproven guys, a lot of high-talent guys, a lot of guys who have kind of been banged up throughout camp and yep. spring, so I don't know what you think is going to happen. There. Well, so it seems like that uh, Jadarian – or Jadarian, sorry, it's, it's pronounced Jadarian now uh, – Jadarian Price is uh, coming back, and he I think he'll be the number two guy for now. Uh, certainly, I think there's that explosiveness is still missing a little bit. I'm just going to rip this from another podcast that I heard. Like His injury is an 18th-month injury, yep. and he probably shouldn't be expected to be back to full form in terms of all that explosiveness and speed that he's shown until like December. So I think for now, he might just be more of like power back, just kind of you know get the short yards. But I think he can still be effective in that. Yeah, I think Price is... I mean, Achilles injuries are just never good for a running back. No, never. I think he's uber talented. We saw that in the spring game Mm -hmm. a year and a half ago when he got hurt. Yep. um, And allegedly he was making a push to be the number one running back last year before he blew his Achilles out. Right. Um, So I think he's going to be a dude. Outside of that, I kind of like Devin Ford. I'm hearing Um, a lot of good things about Devin Ford. I hear he's a good pass catcher, which could be a good third He's the kickoff returner right now. Right. Um, So I think he's going to be a good extra depth piece. Yep. Jeremiah Love, we, he's got just the speed you need. Um, I'm really interested by him. I mean, we don't we don't have a ton of guys with his kind of athleticism on the team. And it's certainly, you know, you want your running backs to be able to pass pro and learn a couple things about the position before you just throw him in there. But I, I, he's a guy that, like, you hope you can get in in these blowouts or just give him, like, one or two carries a game. Just let him try stuff. Right. I would hope that by late in the year, maybe midseason, someone you can just say, you've got these five things. You're in here for these five plays and just get the ball and run fast. Yep, and not just simplify things for him, and not worry about him pass pro running routes as much, but just simplify what he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we also have a Jabron Payne rounding out the room. Who, I mean, admittedly, we just don't know very much about. We haven't seen a ton about him. People have nice things to say. Who knows? Yeah, I think he's just like a solid 
he's fine. He's never going to do anything spectacular. If a couple injuries happen, yeah, he'll be able to give you 15 carries a game, but I hope it doesn't come to that. Yep. I gotta agree with you. So then my next question for you. So who will be second in rushing yards behind Audric? Uh, overwhelmingly, people said that it would be Jadarian Price. Jadarian Price, sorry. So that's a good pick. I think sneaky, it might be Sam Hartman. I think And yards. Wow. I think he's shown some ability to run. I think he's not gonna have as many design runs as you might think, but I think he's someone who might have a big player to here and there. I think third downs, he's going to show a little Ian, little Ian Book where he just improvises and find the hole. But I don't know. Where was Book on like 2020 team in rushing? Book had around 500 yards in rushing, which would have made him the third back because Tyree had around 640. Okay, so maybe, maybe Hartman's a bad pick there for a second. But yeah, I'll go Price and then Hartman – Sneaky close, though. Mm -hmm. I do also. And then second, rushing touchdowns. Uh, I'm just going to let you know ahead of time. I'm going Sam Hartman. Uh, we saw he in 2021, he had 11 rushing touchdowns. I think he's good in the little, the, the read option in the red zone type thing. It's something he's proven very effective with. He did it in the spring game. He had a yeah. touchdown like that. So I think he's also big enough that you don't have to put in Mitch Levens at quarterback. Mitch Palooza's dead, unfortunately. Yeah, so I feel good about the running back room. I mean, obviously, yeah. Audric will be getting the lion's share that carries. Uh, you know, I, I think that. They'll probably split up a bunch of carries between the other guys, too. But Audric should be getting close to 20 carries a game, I would think. Oh, easily. I would yeah. think he's probably right about that. Yep. All right. So then I think we can round out the offense with uh, the receivers, which is kind of an interesting thing to talk about. Um, maybe, I mean, we can discuss a little bit about, like, what's been what's been told about everybody. So it sounds like the starting three receivers going into the game are going to be Jaden Thomas on the outside and the boundary, uh, Tobias Merriweather uh, on the field, which is more the wide side of the field. And Chris Tyree will be in the slot. And it sounds like we've heard very good things about Jaden Thomas. I mean, we've seen a bunch of clips of him making a lot of great contested passes, which is something he showed last year, especially by the end. Uh, Chris Tyree, what are the reports? He caught like 20,000 balls, yeah, something like that. Like he's he's working on it. He'll probably be there for all the yeah, underneath routes and everything. So. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start with the, the elephant in the room first. It sounds like things have not been very positive necessarily for Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey, who are certainly – those are your big – fast, deep threats that don't really the – the rest of the roster is, doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, it's you read off um, these reports from Paul Camp and two names that you just don't hear about are Merriweather and Colsey, and if you aren't hearing about it, that means there's nothing happening there. And One of those two guys needs to step up big time um, yep. for this to be a successful season. I think Colsey last year showed his ability to make the catches on third down. Yes. That's yep. something that would be huge, but – Merriweather, I mean, he had one catch against Stanford, got a concussion, was out a while, and then the bowl game got some chances and just didn't, didn't look good. Just no. was confused and kind of missed balls he should have had a play on, and yep. that can't happen again. Yep, I'd agree. And then and this is something we'll get into a little bit later, too, but this is something where I think the schedule is actually really going to help the development of those. Because it sounds like all the other wide receivers have done well, and we'll talk about a couple more of them in like two minutes. But um, Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather, we need one of them to step up if we want the offense to be truly dynamic. Obviously, if both of them did it, that'd be great. But you need one of them to be that consistent overhang threat if you want the offense to be stretched a little bit more and Sam Hartman can reach the peak of his powers. And I think that's why it's great that we have these four games leading up to that stretch of Ohio State and USC because it'll give these it'll give these guys time and Sam Hartman will give them chances. I mean, Sam Hartman made an entire career out of throwing to guys that are built like Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey. Hartman's going to give him chances over the four games. That is so, I mean, we'll know by the end of the, like leading up to Ohio state, whether those guys grew or not, because they will be given ample opportunity. 
I think that's spot on. It's they've got chances. They just need to take advantage, and Hartman's going to put the ball where it needs to be. Can they just make those back shoulder catches or contested catches that they need to make? Yep. And then, you know, in slightly more uplifting news, it sounds like uh, two of the freshmen have done really, really well for themselves. Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores are already in the rotation. It sounds like Jaden Greathouse has even gotten some time with the ones every now and then. Uh, it sounds like right now he's more of like a big slot kind of guy. So like he would be taking snaps in place of like Tyree, like he wouldn't necessarily be replacing like a Merriweather set. But it's also sounded like he's done some stuff as a downfield threat, you know, more contested catches and everything. But that's great. And I was a big fan of Jaden Greathouse's coming out of high school. Hopefully he performs a little bit. I'm so excited about Jaden Greathouse. I mean, just his performance in the spring game. And yes, I know it's a spring game, but the precision of his route running, his ability to catch the ball in traffic is unbelievable, especially for an early and early freshman. Um, and it sounds like he's just continued that performance in the camp. And if you have someone like him who can move the sticks on third down and just catch the ball whenever it's needed, that's going to be huge. And he's athletic enough. He can make some plays downfield too, as he said. So, I'm very excited about him. Yep. Yeah, I, I would agree. And then um, Rico Flores as well, like I just said, sounds like he's been doing well too. He's not quite as physically built as Jaden Greathouse, but, you know, very good route runner, smooth athlete and all that. So we'll see what happens with him too. Um, so, you know, uh, overall, I think there's there's pieces to like in the receiver room, and I think that Sam Hartman gels well with a lot of the type of receivers. I mean, like Jaden Thomas, I feel very comfortable was going to score a bunch of touchdowns this year. Uh, I think very much Jaden Thomas uh, on third down can be used a lot like Michael Mayer was with a lot of like uh, little out routes and just like the, the important routes on third great down. House too. Yes. Great house as well. Um, so, the, and another thing I didn't even talk about, uh, which I should just mention, we can run slants on offense now because we have quarterback who can throw those. And that's so here, great. We have quarterback, we have receivers that can run slants. Here's a question for you. All right. Chris Tyree, how many carries a game does he average? Cause you gotta imagine he'll get some jet sweep. Mm, I'd go one. One. I like one a game. I don't think they'll, they'll mess with him too much, especially given the precariousness of the receiver room right now. I think you'd rather keep him as a receiver. And then if we have enough bodies that can play where we can maybe afford to do a little bit more of that, then maybe we'll get there. But for I now, give him some jet sweeps, shovel passes, get him around the edge and just let him out run guys. Mm-hmm. Might be the strategy at some point. Yeah. So, like I said, um, I like the receiver room overall. It, it, it definitely it needs to be better if we want the offense to achieve the level that it can achieve. But they have the talent to do so. That's certainly it's more talent than Hartman's ever worked with before. And hopefully the the talent grows into what it can be. Yeah, receiver room is definitely the offensive X factor. The season offensively will only go as far as the receivers let it go. So yes. they need to step up. And if they do, we have a chance to have a very good season. Yep. Otherwise, we could have games where we lose and we are going, how did this happen? Yep. So overall, the survey, I mean, people were like around 60% were saying Jaden Thomas will lead the team in both receiving yards and touchdowns. I don't really have any problem with that. I'm assuming you don't either. Touchdowns, definitely not. Receiving yards, I think you could make a case for someone else. Like if you think Coles or Merriweather is just going to break out, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not there yet. No. I did try to sneak in Jaden Greathouse on the leading the team in receiving touchdowns. People didn't really bite on that one, but that'd be cool if he did. Um, all right. So overall, I guess the offense, I, I think – I'm kind of expecting, you know, like a very powerful running team that's going to be able to do a lot like that and will uh, focus a lot on play action uh, just because, you know, that's what you can do when you have a great run game. And I think that the receivers will be able to do just enough. And then there's room for a lot more if they can figure some of it out. Sam Hartman's pretty freaking good at quarterback, you know, like. I think it's really interesting because we haven't had an offense that's looked like this in a while. And it's. No. I don't want to go too far outlandish, but. The receivers on the 2020 team were Javon McKinley and Vince Garanik, and 
both of them were good players, but neither of them were All-American. No. I'm not saying this room is close to All-American, but if this receiver room can just be Ben Skoranek, Javon McKinley, mm-hmm. where does that put this team? Because I think this team's offensive line and run game is about on par with the 2020 team. Yeah. So I think it's just it's the receivers that we've said. Yep. So then uh, I, I think the last thing we'll do on the offense here is how many touchdowns the same are we going to throw? I did it in five in like five touchdown integrals inter- intervals. So 15 to 20, 20, 25, 25, 30, 35, 40, 40 plus. I'll go like 25 to 30. Yeah, that's what I went with as well. Uh, just because in my mind, I think we're going to be running a lot in the red yeah. zone. I think Audric and Hartman will both have a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, I, I do think that there, again, there's potential if Merriweather or Colsey or both become what they can be, then I think we're going to get hit those upper numbers. Um, I the, think we'll have some games where it's like just one or two, maybe just low scoring or situational year we're running the ball more. But then I, I think there will be a game where Sam Hartman throws for six touchdowns. I completely agree with you. I think someone is going to have no clue how to play defense. And could that be maybe? I mean, we saw what Drew Pine did for them. Yeah. There's going to be some game that Hartman throws for like 400 something, six touchdowns. And, Everyone's just going crazy, but yep. So I think I think the offense has a very very high floor, and again, there's there's potential for it to be one of the best in the country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's about it for the offense, I think. So we will take a quick break here, and then we'll go to the defense. Okay, talking about the Notre Dame defense now. Um, last year was kind of a strange year for Al Golden and the defense in his first year as coordinator. Um, the defense was overall pretty good uh, in between the 20s uh, statistically. And then uh, they had the worst red zone defense in the country, uh, which was a little inexplicable at the time. Uh, I think some of it could be due to personnel and some injuries. Uh, some of it was just some bad luck. And some of it, I think, was just some players getting used to uh, like a new system. And I think the big theme uh, this year is just going to be an, an increased familiarity with the defense is really what I've been thinking. I think that this is the... Uh, well, I know that this is the first year in a while that uh, the defense has had the same uh, coordinator for more than one year in a row, and that's great. And I think that goes a long way towards being more comfortable. Uh, I think we saw that last year even when uh, I thought J.D. Bertrand got a lot better as the year went on. He seemed a little more sure in where he was going, uh, things like that. Uh, so I'll just take it kind of position by position here. Um, Start with, you know, the strength of the team, which is going to be the corners. Uh, I, I think this is comfortably one of the best cornerback groups in the country. Uh, I mean, you've got Benjamin Morrison, who by the end of the year proved himself to be one of the best corners, bar none, uh, in the nation. Uh, there's not much to say there. I mean, he's he's pretty he's pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. And then you have Cam Hart, who physically is an NFL prospect, who's just, you know, struggled with injuries every now and then. But when he's played, he's always been very, very good. And I think he's in line for another good year and people will throw him the ball because they're not going to throw to Morrison and he'll, he'll challenge the ball pretty well. Uh, Jaden Mickey, uh, you know, had his struggles last year as a freshman, wasn't always put in the best spot to succeed, but it sounds like he's having a really strong camp. So that's good. Uh, Christian Gray is a uh, true freshman who, you know, admittedly we haven't seen a ton of, but has uh, played very well and is seemingly the number four corner. And then uh, Clarence Lewis, you know, who has been asked to start a couple of years ago, is now going to be in the rotation at nickel, which is like the, the third defensive back on the field. Um, and it just really goes to show you what a great job Mike Mickens has done kind of um, evolving this group over the years. Thomas Harper, I feel like I should also mention, he's not a corner, but he will also, he'll be uh, probably the starting nickel in a lot of situations. And he hits really hard, transfer from Oklahoma State, and he's an exciting guy to watch too. 
um, which then probably leads me to the safeties, um, which they're not particularly flashy. I mean, there's some upside there, but it, there's certainly not a lot of proven game-changing talent there right now. Um, you know, X Watts has flashed some things. Uh, I think he's certainly, you know, the ball skills are something we haven't really seen just because he hasn't played safety very much. But, um, you know, he's done very well as a tackler and, and moving around, hunting guys down. So he'll be exciting to watch this year. I think he'll be a, a good player. Uh, DJ Brown, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, you know, reliable coverage guy, maybe not the best tackler in the world, but that's okay. And then uh, we have Antonio Carter, the transfer from Rhode Island, who uh, has some intriguing potential. And, I, I, you know, I'll be curious to see how he picks things up. But uh, he played cornerback when he was at Rhode Island, so it's going to be a bit of an adjustment for him at safety. But uh, we'll see how things go there. And then uh, you have Ramon Henderson, who people say nice things about. He struggled a little bit last year, but um, he's uh, got a lot of uh, intriguing uh, physical prospects. So we'll see how that goes. Um, overall, you know, I don't think the safeties are going to make um, a ton of plays on their own necessarily, but – I think that having a really, really good cornerback room is going to help them a lot in terms of not, there's not a ton that's going to be asked of them and they can just be reliable as they've been the last couple of years. Uh, and then I'll go to the linebackers, I guess. Um, this is a group that's kind of polarizing. I think that you'll see fans are maybe a little harsher on them than some uh, people in the media. Um, JD Bertrand, like I said, I think is going to benefit a lot from uh, another year in this, in the system. Um, move around a little bit quicker and, you know, be more instinctual. And he's always just been really solid. I mean, you, you know what you're getting out of J.D. Bertrand. Perfect for a Navy game too, which he did not play last year, which I think people didn't really discuss enough. Um, that, so that might help the defense out a little bit this year. Maris Leofel had his struggles last year for sure. But it sounds like part of the, the stuff of Al Golden adjusting to year two is uh, putting people in better positions to succeed. And it sounds like Marist is probably going to play more of an edge role than like the stand-up linebacker role. And I think that fits him better. Let him move downhill, um, take advantage of his athleticism a little bit. And I think that'll be better for him. And Jack Kaiser is also going to move inside a little bit more, uh, play more of the will linebacker instead of uh, Marist. And I think that's probably a better fit for him too, because he's a really good athlete, but I think will is probably a little bit better use of his, uh, his talents uh, rather than Rover uh, just because he couldn't get on the field as much. Uh, and frankly, we're probably not going to be using the Rover linebacker as much. It'll be just more of the, the nickel, whether it's uh, Clarence Lewis or uh, Thomas Harper. So I think that'll be good to get Jack Heiser on the field more because he's an incredibly intelligent player with a decent athleticism. And he, he's a good asset to have. So I think that the linebackers overall are just going to be in better position to succeed this year than last year. I, again, are they the flashiest NFL talent you're ever going to see? No, probably not. But they're solid and they can make plays. And the, the depth is young and exciting. I mean, we're hearing that Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury have uh, made the two deep as true freshmen, and that's good that, that they're flashing plays like that. I wouldn't expect them to play too much, but it's nice to know that they're developing and uh, might be good to go if called upon. And then you have kind of a wild card in Jaden Jalen Sneed, sorry, um, who is listed as a rover, which is more like the coverage linebacker, because that definitely is uh, what his athleticism could be used for. But it sounds like he's doing a lot of work as a blitzer, whether it's off the edge or off the ball, um, taking advantage of his, his really great speed, kind of like uh, Jeremiah Usu koromoa in 2019. So that'll be interesting. He's kind of a wild card. It sounds like he's a very boomer bust. But, you know, if we get more of the boom, then that could be a pretty significant addition, especially considering the pass rush uh, helps that we may need, which uh, leads me to the last part of the defense, which is the defensive line. Um, the interior, I was actually a little worried about going into this year, but it sounds like that's something that I don't really need to be worried about at all um, because we have Howard Cross, who's very solid. You know what you're getting out of Howard Cross. And Riley Mills has officially moved back into the interior full-time, uh, which is definitely where he belongs as opposed to defensive end last year. 
Um, and he's got all the potential in the world. And, uh, you know, we know what he's capable of. And I think that this year will be a really good year for him playing where he's most comfortable. And then the backups behind him, Gabriel Rubio and Jason Anye, we've heard really good things about. And that's exciting that we have two other uh, young defensive linemen that can help kind of cave in the pocket uh, if need be. So that's good. Uh, and there's depth. And then the defensive end spots are where things are a little murky. On the strong side, like the the more stout side, uh, you have Nana Osafa Mensa and Javante Jean-Baptiste, who are going to seemingly rotate in there. And uh, Nana Osafa Mensa is more of a uh, run support type of defensive end, and Javante Jean-Baptiste is a pass rushing type of defensive end. So I think they'll be more situationally used, but it's nice to know that we'll have someone on either side. I think who can who can handle most situations. Uh, and then it really might, the, might be the most important part of the, the defense here in terms of how high the ceiling can be is Viper, which is more of the, the pass rushing defensive end. And right now that's Jordan Botello, who has always flashed. Um, you know, he's had some problems in the past, but whenever he's on the field, he's shown some good things. Sometimes been a little inconsistent. Um, but last year, I mean, his, his statistics graded out very well in terms of extrapolating them to a larger sample size in terms of like how much pressure he's getting. And the, the first game he ever started at Viper, the bowl game against South Carolina, he did very well, both, I thought, in run support and as a pass rusher. So I think it's going to be really important to see if he can put all that together and have one consistent season where he's playing a lot of snaps and stays engaged the whole time. Um, I think I like his chances as being a, a pretty good number one pass rusher. I'm not saying he's going to be Isaiah Foskey, but I think he'll be good in that role. And then as the run defender, you know, we're just going to have to see. Um, so overall, I mean, I, th I think the defense can actually be better last year. I mean, it, it disappointed in a lot of ways. Um, but I definitely think that, uh, like I said, Al Golden going into year two is a little more comfortable with his personnel and how to use them properly. And I think in a couple of ways we've improved, uh, you know, in secondary big time and the defensive line is a little bit deeper, I think, than last year. It may not have the top end talent, but I think that the well-roundedness of it is going to help a lot. So I'm excited to watch the defense this year. I think they're also going to be put in better spots by the offense too. So that'll be something to watch. Um, so that's my preview on the offense and the defense. I wish I had Tommy here to talk about the defense. Could have gone a little more in-depth. Uh, could have had more of a conversation about it. But I hope that that uh, word vomit uh, was all right. Um, so then just overall, you know, my, my expectations for this team, I think it's going to be pretty good. Um, I think that largely if they want to be an elite, elite team, they need probably one of Tobias Merriweather or Deion Colsey to break out into a great receiver. And I think they need uh, Jordan Batello to become that number one pass rusher. I think both of those things are possible. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I have been saying for years now, Notre Dame has been stacking enough talent where they just need an elite quarterback and they can be serious contenders on the national stage. And Sam Hartman is exactly the kind of quarterback that I've been talking about. So I got to stick to my guns. Uh, overall, I think they're going to go 11 and one. I'm going to predict a loss to Clemson. And I think it's going to be a really, really fun year for Notre Dame fans. So um, that's all I got for you guys. I think 11 and one fun season. So, Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, like I said, we'll be releasing uh, more content in the coming weeks. Uh, NFL pod will be next week. I don't think I'm going to do a Navy pod just because the game's coming up in three days, but I'm looking forward to the game. I'm really excited football's back. I hope you guys are excited too. And uh, this is going to be a fun year for everybody. So thanks for listening.